listening to the Leadership Woman podcast with me, Jill Savile. Today, I'm very excited to welcome on the Leadership Woman podcast, a young woman who actually I only connected with this week, um, but we can act quickly. We're spontaneous. Her name is Joy Bonsu Schmutz, and if I've not said that correctly, she can, she can help. And we're going to talk today because she's the co-founder of an organization that is trying to help in the space of human trafficking. And the company is called, the organization is called Abaye. Abaye, yes. <laughs> you tried, you tried. I tried. I tried. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. Uh, so, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jill. And thanks. It's a pleasure to, to be here with you. Um, I'm looking forward to this exciting conversation. So am I. And I said to our mutual friend who put us in touch that uh, you are just so aptly named. I don't know if I can say that, but, uh, you know, joy. Uh, our conversation the other day was just so joyful. So I'm really look, looking forward to this. Let's begin with where you were born. I was born in a town called Koforidia in, in the eastern region of Ghana to lovely parents. And I'm one of four. So I have three other siblings, uh, a sister and two brothers. Growing up in Koforija, it's quite a peaceful, not a hustle and bustle city. Um, very small town, few people, but great mountain, great view. So I think it was a great place to live growing up. I had the normal poetry recitals, kindergarten. My home was just like a few blocks away from home. And so we'd always walk to school. Usually we were late because we always thought school was close by. <laughs> but for me, what stands out in my, my formative years was I started ex being exposed to leadership very early. So interestingly, my, my kindergarten and primary school had a leadership, student leadership program. I don't know what informed their decision, but as early as five years old, I was the, the class leader and like this continued until grade three and at grade three, going to grade four, my classmates were like, okay, Joy, I think we've had enough of you <laughs> since um, kindergarten. So they wanted to vote. It was actually an electoral process. You would nominate and then the class would vote for who they wanted to lead. And in um, grade four, they said, no, Joy, we've had enough. Then in grade five, they said, you know what? We think we want to come back for joy. For me, that was very extraordinary in my formative years. Um, and so it shaped me. I always would be at home. My parents would say, no, Joy, you are always bigger than yourself. You know, when we talk about your age, we cannot compare it to the kind of things you instruct your parents to do, you instruct your siblings to do. And so um, for me, that those are the, the things that have, you know, shape me as a person and a leader today. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, and then maybe for the fun part of it, uh, my, my big brother used to have a, a recording studio where we would always, you know, go in there, record jingles, you know, record music. And they, those were very fond memories. And I think exposure to the arts 
you know, also was a very interesting dynamic to my, my childhood. You were a singer. Did you play any instruments as well? Okay, so I had always wanted to play either the violin or the guitar. And luckily for me, guess what? When COVID hit and we were all locked down, I said, you know what? I think this is my moment. So here in France, just a year ago, I bought a guitar. I bought a violin. And I self-taught myself, I, I self-taught, you know, the guitar. And I'm absolutely amazed that finally I can play the guitar. It's as if when we've set our brains some goals, ultimately it finds a way to achieve them. And, and very quickly when COVID locked down, you thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. What took you away from Ghana? I look back at what decisions led me here. Mm -hmm. um, mainly I left a very good job in Ghana came to study here in France because I always had the mindset of personal development and because in 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 my previous job I had an opportunity to work um, in HR which was a very spontaneous opportunity out of my engineering um, space and then I said no if I'm going to do HR then I'm going to do HR properly so that's how come I left mainly to do my master's at Grenoble Ecole de Management. So I was pursuing a career in human resources after you know, going through the journey of studying as an engineer. I, I had discovered a new passion, which I think really resonated with my personality. Uh, instead of you know, interacting with the poles, with the wires, you know, I came to find out that I was much, much, much better interacting with people. What brought you to what you're doing now, this organization that you co-founded? Where did that come from? So just a step back to university um, when I was doing my bachelor's in engineering. Um, for some reason, I've always had, you know, this place in my heart to say that Wherever I am, I need to make a difference. You know, what's the problem that needs to be solved? It's like instinctively, it was just a trigger for me. And so in my second year in university, I gathered a, a couple of friends and I said, you know what, we could always find some orphanage somewhere and just go and serve them because we had a long weekend, no classes. Could we do that? And a couple of friends who shared the same vision with me said, OK, let's do that. So we found this um, town about an hour's drive from campus. And so we would do this on the weekend for two years. We were doing this every Sunday. We would go, we would provide them with computers. Usually we'll take our laptops with us and would train the children how to use the computers. We would send storybooks with our own pocket monies. It wasn't that much, but we would go sometimes sit, take food along with us to you know, feed those kids. And so for three years of doing that, we saw a tremendous growth. You know, imagine kids who couldn't speak English. We were really hesitant. How are they going to learn to use Mavis Beacon to learn to type? But to our utmost surprise, when we introduced them, it was just to see it was wide inside of them. And so for me, what struck me was that sometimes all people need is just the opportunity, somebody who cares and the opportunity to say that, um, I'm going to do something out of these children. And surprisingly, we, we saw a very great impact in these children. 
And so when I started working after university, I started working in the telecom space. I had always dreamt, what is it that we could do, especially for communities? Um, in Ghana, you have, well, I'm sure it's it spans across many countries, but we have solely relegated development of, you know, our communities and societies to, you know, it's the government or we're looking to somebody to come and implement a developmental initiative. And so when I saw what we did with the limited resources that we had, it really struck a chord that I could, we could set up an organization that was going to promote sustainable development, leveraging on technology, because we saw how technology had quickly brought these kids up to speed using the, the computer to learn and use the internet. And so we decided to start, you know, something. But it was just around that time when my husband, who had been studying in the UK, returned, and he had had an experience with some survivors of human trafficking. So we sat down and he said, Joy, you know, we could do something with, you know, the passion and the, the tools and the skills we have in digital to solve this problem or to provide some avenue for, for you know, victims of human trafficking. So for me, immediately, my, the empathy side of me, because I always feel like if I was the one who was taken out of my country, you know, without my, 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 my will or against my will to somewhere to, you know, to work in a situation where I don't agree with, how would I feel? And so I always think about that when I'm doing um, anything. So that really sparked um, in this organization inside. And we said, it's a vision. So we just, you know, came together with our skills. We got a couple of friends who had the engineering, software engineering expertise. And we designed this software, this platform called Traffic Alerts that is supposed to um, help us gather data um, in the African space because we had seen that there was that lack also of tracking, you know, reported cases in Africa. And to use the power of AI, artificial intelligence, to be able to um, predict what is the, because our goal was really, how, what can we do to stop this entirely? Because we know governments and you know, law enforcement are doing their best to you know, go after perpetrators. But what could we do to you know, give them a helping hand to eventually bring an end to this horrid criminality called human trafficking? So we said, if we could provide a tool that could predict where the next hotspot is or where are the, 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 clack, the, um, the groups or the clusters of these things happening across you know, our country and beyond, then it could give them you know, insights and foresight into what they could do and where to put their resources rather than a goose chase of someone reporting and we hunting the person down. And so that is what started Traffic Alerts. And uh, that was the birth of Abbey Innovation Studio. And we haven't just focused on human trafficking, anything that will touch on you know, sustainability, but we want to use technology to provide those um, solutions is what we have been doing over the last three years. Oh yeah, wow, there, there was such a lot there. And it's interesting, one of the previous people on the podcast, Angela Brucci, she was approaching the human trafficking from the point of view of how can we help survivors after the event 
yeah uh, and doing a really good job with them powerful and you're coming at it from trying to prevent it in the first place trying to mm -hmm. aid the police and one thing that i think crime enforcement places that they're supposed to try to be joined up but they're not mm -hmm. always joined up so they can mm -hmm. have an incident here and an incident there and yes what i'm hearing is you can put all that together yeah. yeah. So you, you were going on to say then that it's not just about human trafficking, it's also about sustainability. So um, talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, Jill, so, I mean, the, the term sustainable development, today we hear it everywhere we go. And some people even think, you know, it's one of those things. But in our understanding of sustainable development is in the next 10 years, what we are doing today should not cause the future generations to suffer, uh, whether it's with resources, whether it's with a human being itself. And so if you think about human trafficking, if today um, in the 2016 report of the ILO, they said 40 million people were trafficked in a year, 40 million people, and 70% of them were women and girls. So. In 10 years time, if nothing is done to stop this, the perspective or of who a woman is, even in the eyes of um, you know, boys, in the eyes of men, could have a serious impact on how women even evolve in the next 10 years. So I'm looking at 10 years, my children seeing women as you know, empowered, women as leaders, women are not uh, commodities to be sold, and, and resold just like a, you know anything you could buy for the from the supermarkets. So it's not just resources like we talk about climate. We talk about um, the 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 ocean. Trying to make sure that the ocean is still you know viable for the next generations to come. We talk about mining practices, ensuring that we don't degrade the land because we need to dig out our gold. And so in the next 10 years, the land will be totally inhabitable. So it's these mindsets or this kind of vision that we have to say that, what could we do to ensure that a lot of the things that we touch is sustainable and when our children inherit it from us, it's in a better form or it's in a better state than we handled it. So that is where from our perspective, the sustainable development comes, comes in. You were saying about leadership from a very early age, this, and sometimes it, it comes from an expectation, doesn't it? I think our development, if much is mm -hmm. expected of us, then we tend to live into it. And maybe you at the age of five being expected to be a class leader, put that in your mind to, to develop into it. And also, you said phrases like, you want to ensure that what we do today doesn't harm the future in 10 years and, and that you don't want men and boys to see women as commodities. I mean, these are all very, very worthy things that, that speak to my heart too. Is there anything else that... You, you were doing at the moment that maybe I've not asked you about? 
Um, so under Abia Innovation Studios, we have picked out certain key areas um, that fall under the UN Sustainable Development Goals, mm-hmm. mainly because we want our efforts to kind of, you know, converge somewhere and make an impact globally. So as we were working on the human trafficking project um, around last year when there was, you know, the height of the lockdown, everybody was working remotely and we decided to open a volunteer program because we needed some, you know, skills, but we couldn't, you know, afford the skills that we needed. So we said, okay, people are home, schools are closed, why not? And so we put, you know, a job ad out there. We were really looking for about five people and we, we turn, it in turn showed up that 500 people across the world applied for these roles. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, what did they read? What did they see? You know, so immediately it sends a big message to me that Joy, um, people were looking and reading what you were doing and it was making meaning to them. Mm-hmm. So immediately we re-strategized and said, you know what? let's have a six months volunteer program. Three months, six months, those who were ready to go for three, those who were ready to go for six. And so we did massive recruitments digitally and uh, we had 40 um, volunteers on board from 10 different countries. Um, And some of them included women that were on career breaks. And that would lead me to one of the biggest initiatives that we're doing at Abbey Innovation Studio. I mean, the, the intercultural, international feel, working as a, you know, a young leader. I just started my company and then I had to manage a team of 40. My HR manager was in California. You know, by the time I'm going to bed, she's now awake and she send a message, Joy, when you're bright and awake, then you can read this message. I had a team member in Germany, you know, all over the world. And so it's, it was a big boost for me and to re, you know, realign my leadership skills to embrace an international you know, kind of workforce. And it was also good for my HR career as well because I had to build a talent management plan. I had to build a development plan because I didn't want these volunteers to come and feel like, oh, I gave them my time and then I got nothing in return, but it was successful. And so working with some of the women who were on career breaks, one one lady who was in the US was waiting to get her her papers to to work. And so she said, why not, you know, join the team to do some work? And the passion, the extreme, you know, commitment she had and, you know, demonstrated to the work she did, it just immediately and probably that was an isolated case until we had a partnership specialist who came on board and she was also at home for three years raising her kids and I I just saw the pattern I was like what's going on here these women should have been the most you know relaxed and you know laid back because you know they hadn't been working in the traditional space for a while but they had so much light in their eyes enthusiasm it was so Um, breathtaking so I said you know what let's sit together I think that I've always wanted to do a women's initiative something to empower women but I never really found which niche I wanted to you know focus it on so I spoke to them and they came up with the idea they came up with a plan that we could do a women's program that focused on women on career breaks and so we started the SHIROC female accelerator program 
And this year happens to be the second year and we've touched over hundred women from almost like seven countries in Africa and given them digital skills training for in a period of six weeks. So they come, we, we expose them to digital marketing and all of that stuff. And then um, at the end, we, pu we push their CVs to possible employers and say, hey, they've got new skills. So give them a chance in your mid-career internship program. We ourselves employed two of them. And I must say, it's been phenomenal. Um, I've had people ask me, oh, Joy, are you doing this program because you've been on a career break yourself? The same with the human trafficking. Are you doing this program because you've been a survivor or a family member? And I always say, we don't need to have gone through something in order to you know, provide solutions or be there for people in that scenario. And that is what we call empathy. Just think about yourself in that scenario. What would I do if I had to go on a break to raise my family and no employer saw my CV as worthy? You know, so giving these women the chance, and I would just call on one particular lady we employed, we say, okay, can you come on a part-time program, you know, with us, just come and do, you know, reach out to partners. And so we did an intensive digital skills training while she was working with us. And in a year, it's been a year since she started with us. She does digital marketing. She manages CRM softwares. And she was at home for nine years, taking care of her three beautiful children. And so one, empathy. Two, everybody deserves a chance. Sometimes you need to look beyond the technical you know, qualification because she said, Joy, which employer is going to bet on my CV? You know, nine years of being at home, who is going to bet on me? But I'm glad that I took the chance. We gave her the opportunity and she's forever grateful. Yes. So Shirok um, is, is one of the biggest things that I am really proud of. Um, Wonderful. Wonderful. And I, yes, I would be really proud of that. And you were moving then into, I think, things that you wanted people to take away. Mm -hmm. I heard empathy. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I, I once said to somebody that actually when there's a homeless person sat on the street, I could be behind their eyes mm. and, and imagine what it's like to be yeah. there. And can't you? And this person said, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but that was really strange. And I thought, okay, okay, maybe not. Yeah. But I do believe that empathy is what we need to mm. answer some of the huge questions, find some of the solutions today. So, so this is... Uh, empathy sitting in somebody's shoes you don't have to be a survivor you don't have to have gone through something in order to make a difference in the world if i'm yeah. saying that Absol absolutely. absolutely that's your first message the that's second it. message was talking about giving people a chance like this woman who'd been at home for nine years everybody yeah. deserves a chance is that right and so what's the third thing that you want people to hear For, I think last year, I took a test. Um, so I don't know those who are familiar with the Tapi Colors uh, process communication model. Oh, oh, I am. I'm a trained coach. And uh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm a trainer awesome. for them. Goodness. Awesome. Okay. Because I took that, I took that assessment last year. Uh -huh. And I 
I, I am a promoter. That's, that was my category, the red. And for me, so promoter, the goal oriented person, you know, the adaptable personality, but mainly the goal oriented person, which I think I took from my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody around me, when you come and you tell me joy, um, oh, I have this great idea. I've been thinking of doing this. I'm like, let's, what, do you, what do you need to get started? Like, let's just start. Let's just start it. Because um, just like I think the, the car, when you, it's always, it takes a lot of, you know, momentum to get it started. But when you get started, it's like, you know, zooming away. So I've always been, from my childhood, I push people to get things started. And so, Jill, when I was listening to your very initial podcast, when you said, you know, I've been thinking about doing this, so I just set a date, I said, exactly my point. And, you know, I listened to a couple of podcasts and they've been so inspiring to me. I've learned a lot from your guests that have come on the show. So if you imagine you're still thinking about it, imagine you're still thinking about it you know so a lot of people think too hard about how you're going to sustain the dream at the innovation studio we said just set a date she rock we said just set a date and I think for my personality the reason I mentioned the Tavi color um you know PCM model was that the moment I set a date it's a see every energy in me just like focuses on that goal because I just don't feel like I can miss that goal. So for me, I feel people need people like me in their lives to say, you know, keep it going, just get started, set a date. And uh, someone would say the whole universe will conspire to help you, you know, get your first, you know, podcast in, get your first business going, you know. So I just want to encourage everyone who's listening and, you know, has some idea they've thought of for the last five, 10 years, just set a date and then just get it started. You could post it online and say, I'm starting my podcast on the fourth or on the third. Absolutely. I remember when I decided I was going to speak on stage at the John Maxwell team and uh, I thought, what would keep me going to go through this horrendous process because you had to keep recording yourself you had to make it exactly three minutes and uh, keep getting critiqued which was quite uncomfortable um and so the first thing I did was put it in the Facebook group of the John Maxwell team with thousands of people and say I'm going to be on that stage <laughs> and of course that kept me going mm, yes exactly Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I think that um, phenomenally, I have seen that this works. If you set a date and, you know, you tell someone about it, some way, somehow you'll be pushed to get it started. And the energy you require to keep it going is a lot, a lot more lower. People think that it's a lot more to keep it going than to get it started. So one story that you've left out. So one story that I'd left out was after a couple of, I think a year after I'd left the, the community, I'd left school, I was taking a stroll in, in my neighborhood and I saw a young girl approaching me on the street. Then all of a sudden I noticed she was running. It was like, oh, what's going on here? So as she drew closer, I began to recognize her. Then she came and gave me a big hug. And I was like, what on earth are you doing here? 
so this was one of the girls who used to be in the orphanage back where we used to go for, for, for years, giving them food and all of that. And she said, I have been adopted by, you know, an auntie's friend and have moved to this neighborhood to start school. And I am so excited to see you because anytime you used to come back to the village, it's like something, you know, the joy that all the kids felt. You know, so being able to experience that moment, oh my God, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And this is just one out of the 70 children that we had been with for years. So I, I count it a blessing, you know, to be able to serve. It certainly, it certainly was a blessing to be able to serve. Thank you for adding that. So wonderful. Thank you for those three takeaways. I'm feeling a little bit guilty because you said, uh, how so... People are interested in these stories. And I'm thinking, oh, I waited about seven months before I even started. <laughs> but anyway, never mind. I did start ultimately. So thank you so much, Joy, for being a guest on the Leadership Woman podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jill, for having me. I think it's, an, it's been an absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. So you can probably do an E and A. Abeye. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.